I'm going to start by uh, saying the set-aside prayer. God, please set aside everything I think I know about you, God, the steps, recovery, the big book, what's best for me, what's best for others, especially help me let go of all my old ideas so I can live on your truth. Heavenly Father, have grace and mercy on me, a sinner. Help me to carry your message today, tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Okay. Tonight we're on a vision for you. Uh, for those listening on the podcast, I was gone for uh, a week, so we missed a couple meetings. And uh, you know, it's it's easy to talk about working the spiritual principles, but sometimes the spiritual axiom is stretched. You get it. And uh, we went to visit and take care of the grandkids, and we had to deal with some very. Uh, spiritually ill people and uh, I said the prayers and it worked pretty well. I felt bad for my wife uh, uh, dealing with her daughter but uh, we're, we're okay and we got to see the little girls but I had to remind myself uh, say the four prayers. If I'm disturbed there's something wrong with me and uh, just keep saying that and give me a kind tolerant view and you know I had that shield and then sometimes the shield would kind of disappear, you know, and then I'd have to put the shield back on. And I haven't been uh, stressed like that for years. It was a very, very uncomfortable situation. But the days we had the girls to ourselves, and, uh, it was fine. But uh, anyway, um, and so uh, we're going to pick up with a vision for you. And um, all I will say is that when you work it, it works. And when I'm disturbed, I'm back itself and I have to see things differently. And um, that's the deal. I can't, it's not them, it's me. It's how I react to them. And if I'm in fit spiritual condition, I'll react uh, a certain way. And if I'm not, I won't. And so you, you, it takes work. And um, but it is, it is so good that you don't have to be disturbed, no matter what the cause. And so we're going to pick up with, uh, I'm going to read again AA number three. They go to see him. I'm just going to read this because I think it's so well written on page 158. It says, um, they went back to see AA next three and they found them more receptive. He had been thinking it over. Maybe you're right, he said. God ought to be able to do anything. Then he added, he surely didn't do much for me when I was trying to fight this booze racket alone. On the third day, the lawyer gave his life to the care and direction of his creator and said he was perfectly willing, I love that, perfectly willing to do anything necessary. His wife came, scarcely daring to be hopeful, though she thought she saw something different about her husband already. He be, had begun to have a spiritual experience. That afternoon, he put on his clothes and walked from the hospital a free man. He entered a political campaign, making speeches, frequenting men's gathering, places of all sorts, often staying up all night. He had lost the race by only a narrow margin, but he had found God, and in finding God, he had found himself. I love that. And I was thinking, we have to be perfectly willing to do anything necessary to get undisturbed. I mean, that's the deal, to get peace and serenity. 
anything necessary to reconnect with God. And, and we have the power and the ability to do that. We have the tools, and the power is God, and he's there when we seek him. And um, what a gift. Isn't it a gift? And when you are around people who are very self-centered, you can see how lucky we are, that we, we don't have to be angry and we don't have to be fearful. And we can be kind and tolerant, but it takes work. It says, that was in June 1935. He never drank again. He too has become a respected and useful member of his community. He has helped other men recover and is a power in the church from which he was long absent. And you can see his picture in, uh, uh, they bought the house next to Dr. Bob's and they have pictures of the first members and uh, a lot of AA memorabilia, it's really fantastic. And they have Bill Dodson's picture there. He's also the one that's pictured the man on the bed that you see at a lot of meetings. He didn't look so good on the bed, did he? No. So you see, there were three alcoholics in that town who now felt they had to give to others what they had found or be sunk. So how long does it take for you to find someone else to help? I mean, they, they hadn't had six months. We have rules in, in Topeka that you can't share a meeting unless you have six months, because you might get up there and not be, I don't know, pollute the meeting or something? I can't understand that. Uh, but they didn't, they didn't wait six months. They went to work right away. Why? Because they had to get out of self. And, and the key is getting out of self. And it's not getting other people out of self. It's me getting out of self. And that, that's what I went through this week. I couldn't get them out of self. I had to get me out of self so that I could be undisturbed. And it really is so amazing that when you do this, it works. So they felt they had to give to others what they had found or be sunk. Sunk isn't good, is it? No, no. After several failures to find others, a fourth turned up. He came through an acquaintance who had heard the good news. Somebody had heard about these guys because they knew how bad they were, Dr. Bob was. And he's now going around trying to help people. He proved, see, they would go to the hospital and they would ask the nurse. And eventually, uh, he worked with Sister Agnatius and apparently they worked with four or 5,000 alcoholics. Isn't that amazing? He proved, the, the, so the, this, he proved to be a devil-may-care young fellow whose parents could not make out whether he wanted to stop drinking or not. They were deeply religious people, much shocked by their son's refusal to have anything to do with the church. He suffered horribly from his sprees, but it seemed as if nothing could be done for him. He consented, however, to go to the hospital where he occupied the very room recently vacated by the lawyer. He had three visitors, so they went to see him. After a bit, he said, the way you fellows put this spiritual stuff makes sense. So you ask yourself, how would you put the spiritual stuff to someone else? And the thing we talk about, the hand of AA has to be ready, but it has to be ready when the person's willing. When the person's not willing, you can, you can put all the hands out you want, it won't help. But when the person's willing, we have to be there. We have to be able to help them. And our hand can be, be a flimsy reed that becomes the hand of God. Think about that. Think of the power you have. Um, I guess the old folks were right after all. 
So one more was added to the fellowship. And what does it mean added to the fellowship? There were only three of them. The fellowship was there were people who had made a commitment to have a spiritual way of life. People who were committed to uh, um, living a God-centered life. Those were the only requirements. They didn't have a lot of requirements. You're going to see about the requirements for membership. It's going to come up soon. All this time, our friend of the hotel lobby incident remained in that town. He was there three months. And this is Bill W. He now returned home, leaving behind his first acquaintance, Dr. Bob, the lawyer, and the devil-may-care chap. These men had found something brand new in life. What, what did they find? They found peace. They found a power to live uh, a spiritual life. They were God conscious. They didn't have to drink. They had a, the obsession had been lifted. Though they knew they must help other alcoholics if they would remain sober, that motive became secondary. And this is really powerful. It was transcended, which means surpassed, by the happiness, the true happiness they found in giving themselves for others. Not happiness based on whether I'm getting my way. If, if, you're gonna, if you want to come to AA so you'll be happy because everything will work out the way you want it, well, you might as well leave now because it's not going to happen. But you can be happy no matter what the circumstances. And, and that's true. You can have peace and serenity even under bad situations with God. It will always work, right, Russ? Always work. Right? Right, Josh? Absolutely. All the time. And so um, he was there three months. He now returned home, and they had found something brand new in life. Though they knew they must help Alpha it was they remained sober. That motive was secondary because it was transcended by the true happiness they had found and how they found true happiness in giving themselves for others. And so um, that's the key. Are you giving something to someone else? Are you focusing on helping someone else? And uh, that's true happiness, serving God and his children. What's your real purpose in AA? It says on page 77 is to maximally spiritually fit myself to be of service to God and his children. And it's not to serve God and his children, it's to fit myself spiritually so that then I can serve God and his children. And if you're not spiritually fit, or can, you're not going to be able to serve God and others. You'll serve yourself and then your well, life gets miserable. They shared their homes, their slender resources, and gladly devoted their spare hours to fellow sufferers. They were willing by day or night to place a new man in the hospital, visit him afterwards. That's what sponsorship was in AA. You were the one to put the guy in the hospital and you paid for it. It was $25 a week for the week, which was a lot of money in those days. They grew in numbers. They experienced a few distressing failures, but in those cases, they made an effort to bring the man's family into a spiritual way of living, thus relieving much worry and suffering. And so we don't do that anymore. But in the beginning, the families, the wives would usually come before the, the husband would. It was a small group of people. It was different then. A year and six months later, so after 18 months, 
they had seven more. So they had 10 people sober after 18 months. You don't think this is a bad disease? You don't think they tried with others? But they had seven more. That's amazing. And um, seeing much of each other scarce an evening pass at someone's home did not shelter a little gathering of men and women. So they didn't have TV and TikTok and Amazon Prime. I don't know how they lived. They didn't have the NFL. They didn't have Monday Night Football. Uh, uh, but they had each other. And they would just get together because they all lived near each other. They were all, you know, it was, it was a different way of life then. Nobody had cars, nobody had phones. Um, happy in their release. They would gather and they were happy in their release from what? From the bondage to alcohol, bondage to themselves. They were grateful. And constantly thinking of others, I added that of how they might present their discovery to some newcomer. Now, it doesn't say here that the newcomer is the most important person at the meeting. I've heard that a lot. I don't know where that came from. It may be true. I don't know. But what they were constantly thinking of how they might guide someone else down the path. What would they say to the new person about themselves and their discovery? And I've been to meetings where a new person would come and then they would focus on the new person and then everybody would tell them what they had to do instead of what it was like and what I had to do. Not everybody, but in general. And so, uh, and that really should be done after the meeting. You go and you talk to the person. You get their number, you call them. Don't give them your number. I've been at meetings too where everybody writes a number down this piece of paper and passes around and everybody feels good. You know, and they sing Kumbaya because we put our phone number down, but they never call anybody. It's AA. You gotta reach out. You gotta be the hand. You gotta call them. You gotta make the effort because they're scared and they're afraid. And so we have to be that, the one that reaches out to them. And it's so important when newcomers come because it's only by uh, working with a newcomer that I can help myself and I can connect to God and I can serve God. In addition, and that's the other thing, when I pray in the morning I ask God who is going to put my life to help. Or when I'm centered on myself and something's bothering me, I say who can I call now? Who can I call? Who can I talk to? Who can I help? Gets me out of all that nonsense. And uh, there are a few people I have I call I feel sorry for him, but uh, you know it's the only way. You can't. You got to reach out. You got to have people you can call, people you can talk to, and then just asking them about themselves and talking about that. You get out of yourself, and it becomes customary to set apart one night a week for a meeting. So they had one night a week that they set apart to, for a meeting to be attended by anyone or everyone interested in a spiritual way of life. So they didn't have all these rules. They didn't have to you know, say you're an alcoholic or not an alcoholic. Anyone or everyone interested in the spiritual way of life. See how different it was in the beginning? This is AA in the beginning. And so we have people come, they're the girlfriends or mothers, and they, they say, well, I don't know what to say. I say, well, say you're a fellow spiritual seeker. See, that's all we really are. We should be seekers of the spiritual way of life together. And at the end of this chapter, in a few pages, there's a powerful line. It says, we hope you will join us in the fellowship of the spirit. 
And that's what we're really interested in. Anyone or everyone interested in a spiritual way of life. And so that's the shirt form of the 12 traditions. I'm not making fun or being critical, but it was all inclusive. Remember, the road to God is all inclusive, not exclusive, open to all who seek him. Remember? And we agnostics. And aside from fellowship and sociability, so I wrote there are no barriers to those seeking God. And we shouldn't be one, right? And so uh, and when, they, when a person comes, we need to be open to them to show them the way we did, help them go down the path. It says on page 100, remember, you and the new man, man must walk hand in hand down the path of spiritual progress. Isn't that what it says on page 100? And it doesn't say you're better than the new guy and you're going to kind of you know, guide him. You walk hand in hand. We're all the same. None are better than anybody else. We're, we're all sinners here. We're all alcoholics. And we have to remember that. And be humble. Stay humble. And aside from fellowship and sociability, the prime object, the prime object was to provide a time and place where new people might bring their problems. So maybe that's where they get the new. We want a place where a new person can come and bring their problem, bring their alcoholism, bring themselves. Remember, I was the problem. And bring themselves here and so that they can find a solution. I added to find the solution. When they do the next printing, we'll add that, OK? Somebody called New York. and but. They need to be come here to bring themselves, to bring, bring their unmanageable life, and so that they feel love, they feel tolerance, they feel compassion, they feel people who are really seriously interested in helping them. And that's what we have. Outsiders became interested. One man and his wife placed their large home at the disposal of the strangely assorted crowd. These are the Williams, and they were in the Oxford group with uh, Lois Smith and um, um, Henrietta Cyberling. And so the Williams would have these people, and it was Oxford Group in the beginning. It wasn't AA. AA wasn't around in the first uh, meetings there. It was the meeting of the Oxford Group. Eventually, towards end of 38, they, they said it was alcoholics. But it wasn't intended initially for alcoholics. But that was mainly the ones who went to this meeting. This couple has since become so fascinated that they have dedicated their home to the work. Many a distracted wife, notice the word distracted wife, she's distracted because her life is a mess because she's married to an alcoholic. And that's not easy. We forget how, how people are who have lived with us visited this house to find a loving and understanding companionship among women who knew her problem. So we want the wives to be able to find loving and understanding companionship, not from another man. Excuse me, it doesn't say that, by the way. Uh, loving and, I was trying to be funny, but it wasn't. Loving and understanding companionship among women who knew her problem. Remember, they could relate to her. They could talk to her. And that was the beginning of Al-Anon. And we want to be able to, for someone to find loving and understanding companionship with another alcoholic who comes to the meeting. 
to hear from the lips of their husbands what had happened to them, to be advised how her own wayward mate might be hospitalized and approach when next he stumbled. So it was very common in, a, in the beginning for the wives to come, they needed help trying to help their husband. They needed help with themselves. Their life was just a mess. And remember, people didn't get divorced in those days, and the women didn't work. Uh, women stayed home with the kids, and the men worked. If the man's drunk, there's not a lot of money coming in. And this was 1936 or seven, and America was really, still really rearing from the Depression. Very high unemployment. I don't know if anybody saw uh, Cinderella Man. It was a long time ago. There's a famous fight of the uh, championship in uh, June of 1935 in, in New York. And, uh, and that's when, and they, they go to, the, there's a, a scene in the shanty town. Central Park was a shanty town in those days. And that was the, around the time that Bill and Bob met. And that's what America was like. It was really a tough time. People would show up for work, and they'd have to be called and picked of work. And uh, it, was, it was a tough time. Um, and so many a man, yet days from his hospital experience, has stepped over the threshold of that home into freedom. You see, it was a powerful spiritual experience just going there with these people. And he freedom from the bondage itself, freedom from the obsession to drink, freedom from his separation from God. Many an alcoholic who entered there came away with an answer. So what is the answer you came away with? Ask yourself. What is the answer you can tell someone else? The answer to me is, and I'm just this top of my head, is that I'm not the answer. I'm the problem. God's the answer to all my problems. If there's something, um, any anger or fear, it's me. It's not them. And I have to practice love and tolerance. I have to seek God all the time and ask him to remove my defects. I have to constantly seek the vision of his will for me in all my activities. I have to pause when agitated or doubtful and ask for the right thought or action. Does anybody think that's a great idea? It's great, right? Has anybody not done it? <laughs> and, then, and then, you see, and so when you're disturbed, it's because you didn't pause. And ask God right away to center you. And, and once you start learning that, you'd be, you'd be uh, surprised how, how you seek him and you just stop. You just stop. And that's what happened to me last week. I could just stop. And I could go back to God. And when you go to God, I just ask him to help me see things differently. That's the other answer. God, help me see things through your eyes, not mine. I thought that was pretty good off the top of my head, yeah. Uh, you know, it's, a, it's just the way. I mean, there's so many, so many things you could say. He succumbed to that gay crowd inside who laughed. He succumbed to them. Now, we succumbed to the desire to drink. He succumbed to the desire to be with these people who laughed at their own misfortunes and understand his. See, we laugh at the way we were. We laugh at the things we did, right? Because we could see we, we weren't bad people. We just had the wrong manager. Anybody do that? Yeah. 
Impressed by those who visited him at the hospital, he capitulated entirely. That's another, uh, capitulated entirely. When later in an upper room of this house, so they used the Williams house, they had an upper room, he heard the story of some man whose experience closely tallied with his own. So what they did was they take the new guy up there, he went to the hospital and then they took him up to the house, the meeting upstairs, and then uh, they would talk to him and talk about their experience and what had happened to them and the answer they had found. The expression on the faces of the women, that indefinable something in the eyes of the men. I mean, this is very well written, don't you agree? It's a very powerful testimony. This is their testimony. The expression on the faces of the women, that indefinable something in the eyes of the men, the stimulating and electric atmosphere of the place conspired, it's a conspiracy, to let him know that here was a haven at last, a safe place, a haven. And, and you know, when you're out there and your life's a completely a mess, anybody remember how bad it was? You want this to be a haven. You, you don't want any barriers. You want it, anyone and everyone interested in a spiritual way of life. That this is a safe place. We have an answer. You don't have a hopeless condition of mind and body anymore. It's just seemingly hopeless, right? Because we have an answer. We've recovered. The very practical approach to his problems. The, now see if we do this. A practical approach. Uh, somebody left, they didn't like it, or they came one. Who knows? Very practical approach to his problems. The absence of intolerance of any kind. Does anybody have that? No. But we want to have that. We want to have the absence of intolerance of any kind. I read this today, and it was just really powerful. Uh, how many times have I gone through this? But it's just practical approach to his problems, the very absence of intolerance of any kind, the informality, the genuine democracy, the under You see, we're all equal. Nobody's better. We're all equal fellow citizens and the travelers. The uncanny understanding which these people had was had, had were irresistible. See, if we, if we have practical approach to our problems, the absence of intolerance, informality, genuine democracy, the uncanny understanding, people won't be able to resist us. He and, his, and that's what AA was like in the beginning, this, this page. It's really something, isn't it? He and his wife would leave elated by the thought of what they could now do for some street. See, so they would come in and they would leave thinking what they could do for a stricken acquaintance in his family, just like Bill in the hospital. And he had this spiritual experience and then immediately thought of all those he could help. A week before, he was self-centered. Two weeks before that, he was arguing with Abby about God in the kitchen, remember? And now he wants to go and help all of those people, and the same happened here. They knew they had a host of new friends. These are real friends. It seemed they had known these strangers always. We have a certain comradeship, people I'd known in AA. I may not see them for a while, but you see them, and you know there's a bond. There's something special that we have together. Because remember, we were shipwrecked, right? And we came to the and we were rescued, and we have a cement that binds us to common solution. That's what it says on page 17. 
They had a host of new friends. It seemed they had known these strangers always. They had seen miracles, and one was to come to them. So if you're new, you could see miracles here, and then you know that there's nothing that keeps you from being that miracle except you. And you're, and you're uh, not willing to go to any length. And you're not, uh, they had envisioned the great reality. Look at that, GR, their loving and all-powerful creator. What do you think about that? They had visioned the great reality. So when people say they don't believe in God, I said, come to an AA meeting. Come here and look at the people. Hear their stories. We're miracles. And, and what is the great reality? They're loving and all-powerful creators. So they were having a spiritual experience. They could see the presence of God working in people's lives. Now this house would hardly accommodate it's weekly visitors for the number 60 or 80 as a rule. Is that something? Alcoholics would be attracted from far and near. From surrounding towns, families drive long distances to be present. This is Akron, Ohio, probably 1936-37. And uh, Clarence Snyder started the Cleveland Group. His wife sent him on a train to Dr. Bob because she had heard about this doctor in Akron that was helping alcoholics. And then he went back to Cleveland, he started that group, and they took the name Alcoholics Anonymous from the book. And it says, a community 30 miles away has 15 fellows of AA. Being a large place, we think that someday its fellowship will number many hundreds. There's an asterisk written in 1939. Well, in Cleveland, there are more than 100 meetings, I bet. Probably a couple hundred meetings. Because, you know, we can't get along, so we have to keep making new meetings. You understand? <laughs> and so uh, that was a joke. But I heard somebody says a new meeting is started by a resentment. Somebody had a resentment, so they're going to start a new meeting. I don't know if that's true or not. Community 30 miles away has 15 fellows. That was a lot. Remember when they wrote the book, there were only like 60, 70 people sober. I think I'll read one more. I, no, I think I'll stop here. And then we'll pick up and we'll read the last uh, uh, four pages next week. And powerful, the, the final few pages of this uh, chapter are really inspiring. Every time I read them, I feel something. So I hope this was helpful. Thank you. It's good to be back.